welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. This is Dr. John Herding. I'm here with Dr. Ray Carr and um, Rob Rabina, strength coach here at Maple Zone Sports Institute. Um, sadly, we're missing Dr. Nick Paragini today, um, but he will certainly be back next episode. Um, so today we're going to talk about squats and when to use various types of squats. When should you choose to use a goblet squat versus front squat versus safety bar squat um, versus a back squat? So we're going to start with uh, Rob because he's working with these things the most, um, you know, to kind of get his insight and we'll kind of take the conversation from there. Thanks, guys. Cool, John. Um, so I think starting off, the first thing that I initially look at is someone's goals. So when they come to the gym... You know, what are their initial goals with training? Are they trying to be better at their sport? Are they trying to improve a certain quality of their sport, like power, speed, strength, um, you know, any sort of those goals? You know, stay healthy, reduce injuries. So I think you have to first identify that. Um, based off that, then you would just, you know, see what their training experience is. So if your training experience is, is new to exercise, new to strength conditioning, I would generally start off with a, with a basic squat pattern, which would be the goblet squat. Uh, the goblet squat is a, is a fantastic exercise uh, for a couple of reasons. One reason it provides you with a lot of general anterior core and like trunk stability, just holding anything in front of you is a lot easier to kind of get some core activation. And that's important with the squat pattern because you need to keep your trunk nice and stiff so you can move through your hips effectively without rounding your lower back or overarching your lower back. And the goblet squat does a great job of kind of like doing that without the athlete having to think about doing that. Uh, so, it, you know, if their goals are vice versa of that to maybe squat a house, if you want to be super strong and squat a ton of weight, which you, know, you get sometimes, which is nothing wrong with that. You know, the, the, the goal and then the exercise being selected would, would definitely change. Um, if they have, again, trained for a long periods of time and would like to squat as much weight as possible, I would progress their squat pattern to the end of the squatting pattern, which would be a, a back squat. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of generally how I like to think and try to and program and, and figure out what's best. I love all variations of, of, of those squatting that, that John mentioned, the back squat, the front squat, the SSB, the goblet squat. Um, those are all good variations. I use them all for all different types of athletes, but kind of breaking it down initially, it's definitely just about their goal, you know, their training experience what they can do and what they can't do, and then you choose the right variation for that person. Uh, so I don't know, John, that's kind of like my initial thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course. Um, all those come from kind of a performance standpoint, and I think we as PTs, Ray, we're sometimes looking at what, and I know you definitely look at this too, Rob, like what mobility concerns or stability concerns that might limit someone from doing a back squat and why a goblet squat might be a better option, mm -hmm. right? Um, so can you talk about a little bit like what you're looking for as prerequisites to someone being able to perform maybe a back squat or for looking at that as mm -hmm. like the highest level of squat progression? Yeah, so to best answer that, I would say I would make sure they can do the other progressions first with good technique with adequate load. So, for example, if they can do a goblet squat with some good, some good load, not like a 30-pound dumbbell, 
you know, something something a little heavier than that. Um, they, I would then progress to an SSB squat, uh, which is similar to a goblet squat because your arms are still out in front of you. So the lever arm is still a little bit longer than like a front squat. So once like so if you guys aren't familiar with the safety squat bar, it's a bar that sits on your back, but it has handholds that come on either side of your neck. Yeah. Um, so your hands are in front of you holding the bar. Um, but you guys can easily, if you type in safety squat, safety squat bar, you'll see those. Um, but basically, you still carry the load over the back of your shoulders, but you're holding it for stability um, in the front. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry. Yeah, Rob. no, that's a good point, John. I think that describes a safety bar to a T. It's, it's, a, it's a great squatting option. Especially for those who might play an overhead sport who you know, might not have the wrist or fingers or shoulder flexibility to be able to get into like a rack position of a front squat or, or a back squat as well. So I would go from an SSB then to a front squat, make sure they can front squat with some adequate load, and then progress to a back squat. And if you look at those progressions, why, why they progress like that is pretty much as you progress from a goblet to a back squat, what ends up happening to the body is, is stability is, is taken away from you, each progression. Goblet squat's given to you. SSB, your hands are still out in front of you, still getting like a offset load, still get you some abs. Front squat, the bars on and load is, on, is in the front of you, still getting some anterior load. And then the back squat will be behind you. So the back squat's gonna be pulling you into extension so you have to keep some abs so you can adequately still maintain a proper trunk stiffness to be able to squat down. So, you know, those would be my prerequisites, John. And then also from an assessment screening standpoint, would look at some ankle dorsiflexion to be something that I would consider. You know, I see a lot of good squatters have good ankle motion. Um, and then just can they do a body weight kind of FMS overhead squat, you know, with uh, pretty much a two would be a score that I'd be looking for for them to be able to do minimally some loaded squatting. Um, other things that I might look for is just some being able, making sure they understand like how to brace so if they can't brace effectively or, or they just rely on back extension for everything and, and being able to control their pelvis during the squat pattern would be the other kind of prerequisite that I would be looking for for someone to be able to, to you know, do the back squat exercise. Um, but overall, I think it's the, the, the biggest thing to me is just making sure they can progress through those progressions to get to the back squat if you think that is your goal to get to the back squat. Nice. Thank you, Rob. Um, so talking about some mobility, um, like I know I'm definitely looking at ankle dorsiflexion mobility, but then as you get further in the progressions, like toward, um, a back squat, you definitely need to work your way up to T-spine or thoracic spine mobility too. And then your shoulder mobility to be able to, to hold the bar, um, where you need to, right. Can you speak on that a little bit? Like what you're looking for, maybe in some of the more strictly mobility concerns you have before progressing someone in a squat pattern? Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, one thing is there is an assessment out there. I think it's Dan John's. Uh, it's, I think it's just called the goblet squat test. Uh, the goblet squat test. Um, and what that is is 25 reps unbroken at uh, 50% of your body weight, I believe. 50 or 60%. Have you guys? That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah have you guys right. used that at all ever? I haven't. No. Uh, pretty much. I mean, he says you have to be able to do that with good form uh, to be able to, you know, earn the right per se. Uh, to use a barbell so um, but yeah I'm a big fan of goblet squats front squats I think in terms of transitioning to the back squat the one thing like I feel like they do for my clients is it really teaches them how to balance anterior core activation with you know spinal extension um, and finding that balance there 
uh, that's really important when you get under and you're performing back squats. Um, and especially with back squats, that tension that you're able to get in your erectors uh, while doing front squats or goblet squats is huge for when you get underneath the bar and you have a heavy load that you can't do with a front squat or goblet squat, you can only do with a back squat. You still need to be able to maintain that tension um, in terms of for injury prevention and just good mechanics. Yeah. Did you say 25% body weight for 25 reps? I think it's 50%. 50 I mean, that's what, yeah, 50% body weight for 25 reps. That's the test. Yeah, yeah just found it online. I mean, I've never really used it, um, but I mean, no, it makes sense. I mean, I, I pretty much do, like I said, kind of the same thing, just without a regimented testing, yeah. which yeah. W- which will be good. But, yeah, I think when it comes to just generally squatting, it's just making sure, like you said, right, I think you mentioned the, the, the stiffness issue and making sure they have good balance between, like, anterior core and erectors. That's the one I would say complaint that I see. I don't know what you guys see. is It's just an overuse of the lower back. Would you agree? That's probably, like, the biggest issue mm-hmm. if someone progresses too quickly. Would yeah. you agree? Mm-hmm overextension a little bit of a butt wink that sort of stuff yeah and like when i'm looking to to progress people through these things like so that they're not overusing paraspinals because we'll see that a ton especially in the lifters and and crossfit athletes we see like can you can you um create pressure from the inside out and and typically maybe you're not moving to the next progression of an accessory lift to get you ready to squat or in squatting progressions before you can build maintain pressure and position before you move on to the next um, next progression, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so there's there's a little bit of, so with like ankle mobility, like would you say, Rob and Ray, that if you can't get your knee past your toe, that you should probably not progress to a back squat maybe because you probably need more of an anterior load to keep you. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely agree yeah. with that. But I also yeah. think sometimes like, and I've used this in the past, is like just sitting in the bottom of a goblet squat. Um, that can really help just with adaptations, soft tissue adaptations for picking up range of motion as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I, that's where your screen comes into play. Is your yeah. mobility limited because it's a stability concern, it's right. a bony issue, or it's a soft tissue issue? If it's a soft tissue issue, you're right. Like, Then you know what? Let's put you in the position, and maybe just that's how your body's getting used to position, and you find it that way. Um, and that just becomes part of your warm-up. Yeah. Um, if it's bony, then you probably need to make corrections in um, elevating heels to give you a little bit more dorsiflexion play or mm-hmm. um, ollie shoes. Ollie shoes, they'll elevate the heels, or you're just maybe that your goblet squat and front squatting is what you're going to do. Right. Right. Um, you know, so that's where your assessment really comes into play and in making sure you people exhibit the prerequisites to being able to do these these compound lifts. Yeah. I think that's a good point, John. Like, I don't think you have to squat to the back squat. You don't have to front squat. Like, do what feels best for you. I think that's why coming back to the client goals and what feels good for them is important. Like, if you squat a lot and you have some pain, then something's clearly wrong that you shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I don't know. You guys agree with that as well? Yeah, definitely. And, like, a lot of times when you see people back squatting who shouldn't be back squatting, that's when you – you see him almost doing like a good morning or, yeah. you know, something kind the of The sumo deadlift squat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I see that all the time where people just, they don't know how to drop down into a squat and they end up sitting back and like back extending way too much. I think that's definitely the biggest mistake that I see with, with the back squat. It comes back to the overuse of the back. Um, they end up like kind of like deadlifting their squat instead of just like your, your back squat, your front squat your goblet squat, if your goal is to optimize movement and 
I would say probably that was they all should all look very similar from a technique standpoint. I would say like you don't want to change your back squat technique shouldn't be that much different than a front squat technique. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Well, and how many times, Rob, going to your point, like have we had someone come in because they have low back pain or hip pain, and the first thing they do when we're looking at them and coordinating the plan of care is yeah. their hips go back and their back arches. Yeah. Like, and you just look at it, you're like, you what are they doing? see it all the time. Right? All the time. Where, you know, with a good squat, like you should be able to maintain tension with position and like a neutral spine, hips under you, and just drop straight down. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, but for whatever reason, the cue has become like, hips back, chest up. Right? Yeah, sit back, pull your chest up. That's sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't use them. Sometimes I might use them for certain people, but I don't use a lot of those, like, sit back more. It's more of a spread the knees open, spread the floor, drop down without leading with your knees. That's our thing. We're not, like, when I say down, I'm not saying forward. So it's down and then open up to kind of create that, like, big chest without arching and then still drop down to an adequate depth. Uh, I think that's the other thing, maybe like, you know, proper squat depth. Um, I think that's something that I see all the time. Some people can squat below parallel with good technique. Some people cannot, um, you know, as a strength coach, my goal is to try to get everyone to, again, pr improve performance. So if someone can't squat all the way down, then we want to try to without causing any discomfort or pinching in the front of the hips. Um, but if someone can squat below parallel, I mean, I, I let them squat below parallel. Mm -hmm. But I think squat depth's the other thing where you might look at someone's squat technique and, you know, trying to figure out why their squat depth might be limited. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that. Like, why, why would someone's squat depth be limited? I mean, it could be a hip position thing. There could be bony limitations that aren't letting them get there. There could be... Um, stability concerns because you know they can't maintain the position as they you know stability is position specific right so they might be really stable in certain parts of the squat but mm -hmm. then as they drop low and lower they end up losing stability and maybe that's where they get the butt wink as they drop below parallel right because right? they can't keep a neutral pelvis mm -hmm. or maybe their foot position just isn't allowing them to because people have always told them you know knees shoulder hips hip width apart or feet hip width apart and toes right. forward like I think there's the very rare the person that's actually in that position, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, so sometimes there's bony or the soft tissue limitations, and there's always the stability. But, um, you know, there's that picture that always circulates the internet every couple months of the baby dropping down and, you yeah. know, like ass to grass. Um, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. Like, is that always the goal, ass to grass? And, and I don't think it is. I think looking at the demands of the sport and looking at the abilities um, of the person, like you have to think babies, the bone structure hasn't to totally formed. They're a more las elastic. There's more laxity in their, you know, ligaments and tendons and their bones are more cartilaginous. So they have that extra range of motion, right? But yep. as we grow and um, certain movement patterns help dictate our function or whatever, like maybe that's just not the goal at this point, right? And I think we see a lot, Ray, in especially the Olympic lifters and the CrossFitters, like they're crushing, crushing mobility to try to get ass to grass and then they're just bouncing out of the bottom of a, a clean because they can't control the range of motion and then they end up with hip issues and pelvic floor issues. Um, and I think that's one thing, like, in terms of front squatting, that should be, like, a point of emphasis for Olympic lifters is controlling in and out of that stretch reflex, which ultimately the front squat is going to be your bottom catch for 
clean snatch. Uh, so coming at it, using that stretch reflex properly, um, but with some control, not just bottoming it out, coming out, because then other things are just going to be, you know, unfortunately taking on stress. So. So I think with your point, Rob, like box squats might be the entry point, right? But as you're building stability and control, like you're gradually working people maybe past that to what um, bony structure and soft tissue structure allows, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, box squatting is definitely a, a little bit of a different style of squatting. Um, that's definitely more, I would say, more like powerlifting style. Um, squatting to a box to learn proper depth is something different. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I think so squatting to a box, I would use maybe if I feel like this person needs an external cue to feel what proper depth is. They might not know what it's like to get to the position that I'm trying to get them to. So I would use that sometimes if someone like is, you know, you tried verbal cueing, unsuccessful with proper depth, and, and you've established in your evaluation that there's no structural limitations that's preventing them from squatting all the way down. So um, sometimes I would, use it, I would use it in that scenario. Um, something stable, not like a ball. You don't, don't, you don't want to put something on an unstable ball where the ball can move or anything. I've seen that sometimes. You don't want to do that. Um, box squatting. I would probably use a box squat for someone who, yeah, now this is tough. I would say, Maybe from like definitely from a powerlifting standpoint, I would I would definitely program some box squatting, um, just to provide a little bit of a variation of the squat pattern. Um, from an athlete development standpoint, um, I don't. I, I'm honestly going to say I don't use the box squat too too much. Uh, more of just your general free variations. Um, I would probably program it maybe as a variation to like a sumo rack pull sumo deadlift kind of maybe higher box squat something like that i would maybe program maybe like a speed box squat i might program it via that not so much a heavier load um those would be probably the only scenarios that i would maybe program a box squat for an athlete uh, if you're a power lifter and you want to squat a house again yeah i would probably mix it in there but from an athlete development standpoint more of just general free squatter yeah. rob do you have any um like reservations, uh, like programming back squats for your baseball guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I generally don't do a ton of back squatting with my baseball guys for a couple different reasons. Um, one reason, especially if, depending on the person, I would say depending on the person, um, more, more of your older athletes, your college, your pro guys, I don't do a ton of back squatting. Um, maybe for a younger population, high school, where they haven't developed, maybe a ton of structural changes in the shoulder. Um, yeah, you can probably get away with it, uh, but I still would prefer like an SSB or a front squat. Right. Um, the back squat generally just places the, the, the humerus forward in the socket. So baseball players already have a lot of anterior shoulder issues. So placing the humerus forward in the socket, straining the front of the shoulder, under load, just to strengthen the lower body. When we can get that other ways without placing you know, humeral stress on the anterior part of the capsule, I, I'm, you know, would always go that route first. Um, you know, secondly, I think it's a little bit, again, easier. We talked about kind of core and trunk control for my athletes to, to get it from an SSB bar from a front squat without placing undue stress on the lower back. So I'm all for that, trying to train the same thing without, again, placing stress on the lower back. So I get that, get the squat pattern, squatting from other variations without 
feeling lower back, I'm all for that as well. So I think those are some, some quick reasons um, that I generally don't do a ton of back squatting with my baseball players. The other reason might be is you know, a lot of baseball players have different external rotation demands. So like one shoulder might be you know, 95 degrees while the other one might be 120. So you're doing you know, a, bi a bilateral upper extremity squatting variation with two different types of shoulders pretty much. So to me, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to place that, those shoulders in that positions if they're both completely different. Um, and again, their sport doesn't require them to back squat. So that's the other thing too. Like we're all about athlete development. So it's not about everyone has to back squat or everyone has to deadlift or everyone has to do bench press. That's, that's not what athlete development is. So I, I think that's the other, my other thought on that is, is, you know, for the most part, I'm all about improving performance without placing undue stress on elbows, shoulders, fingers, lower backs, you know, upper back. Uh, whatever it might be while improving performance. Awesome. That's great insight, Rob. Um, so basically out of this, we got make sure you do a thorough assessment and make sure you have your standardized progressions and regressions as you're teaching a large movement pattern like a squat. And you can be pretty successful in making sure people are training appropriately and effectively while limiting um, their injuries to meet their goals. Thanks again, guys. Till next time. <laughs>